I know some of you are thinking, Matthew, you sent out a memo this week that uh, asking us to wear our uh, favorite uh, sports attire. And I know you're thinking, uh, did, did anybody... Did anybody in the house wear something other than, than uh, Clemson Tigers attire? Uh, uh, <laughs> sports attire, that is. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's that? Uh, gotcha. <laughs> well, some people thought that I wasn't coming to the party. But I decided to come to the party. I'm a little late, but i got to put my mic down for a minute. So. Oh, we're twins? <laughs> All right, yeah, we're twins. Well, yeah, well, maybe not completely. Anything look wrong with this picture? <laughs> I only got so much of my body to cover. <laughs> so, all right. What looks wrong with this picture? Am I matching? No, not at all. I, some, some of y'all look like you're ready to cuss. <laughs> I was like, how dare you, brother? <laughs> two, two, two totally different teams well you know we just sang about you know Jesus having no rival having no equal but in the sports world there are rivals and I think everybody in this room and everybody who is watching that's at least local knows that these two are uh, meeting each other uh, this weekend this is uh, the famous weekend for uh, the two to come against each other. And we know that most everybody here in the upstate is rooting for this one, not this one. We'll go. <laughs> we, we got the few unashamed <laughs> here this morning. But I want to tell a story this morning about some rivals that uh, met for a little... Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a face-off or what, but 1 Kings chapter 18. Go ahead and turn there if you would, please. 1 Kings chapter 18. Oh, I, I know I'd get a little stir in the house this morning doing such as this. Uh, this is a momentous occasion. I have never preached in any kind of uh, sports uh, t-shirt or any kind of attire, so this is a historic moment for me. First, First Kings 18 is where we are this morning. First Kings chapter 18. Very uh, famous story. One of my favorites, actually. Um, and I want to uh, look at this. Uh, I'm going to kind of brush through the details, not, not go into a whole lot of the intricacies of it. But there's one focal point. Uh, having to deal with uh, two rivals and a decision that must be made. 
Start in verse uh, 1 of First uh, Kings chapter 18, if you would. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Elijah is the prophet of God. In the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab. Now, Ahab is a wicked king. He says, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Now, so they're in the third year of no rain. No rain. And God's saying, if you go stand before this wicked king, I'm going to give you that rain you've been, uh, you've been promised. Now, I, I can't help but put myself into this passage of Scripture for a minute and think, if I were told, okay, rain, you'll get rain, but you have to stand before a wicked king and you might die, I might think, Lord, just keep the drought. <laughs> but the prophet God was, was asked, was, was told to go stand before this wicked king. So he goes and... Uh, presents himself to Ahab, verse uh, 2. And uh, Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. A uh, Obadiah, just a quick uh, uh, synopsis here. Uh, he took 150, or uh, 100, it says he had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and he gave them bread and water. So he was doing something that was absolutely risky. Because Obadiah feared God. He feared God more than he feared the king. So Elijah's thinking he's the only prophet still around. Obadiah's got some uh, hidden in the wings, if you will. But it goes on to say that, um, jump down to verse 7. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, as, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord, Elijah? And Elijah says, that As I go tell your master, Elijah is here. Well... Obadiah is thinking, do you have a death wish on me, buddy? Because if I go and stand before the king, all, all the prophets are supposed to be wiped out. That includes you. And if he finds that all the prophets are not wiped out, then uh, you'll be wiped out and I will too. So, jump down if you would. Uh, Verse 18, uh, or excuse me, verse, uh, back, back up to 17. Then it happened when Elijah, or Ahab saw Elijah. That, uh, so now, now here we've got Elijah standing before the wicked king. He says, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your fathers have. I think this is a brave guy. First, the king says, you're the troubler of Israel. And then the prophet of God says, no, man, you're it. You and your father's house have troubled Israel and that you have forsaken the commands of the Lord and have followed the Baals, the false gods. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. This, this is where the story uh, comes to its its climax, if you will, or beginning to anyway. Now, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, Jezebel is the queen. She's the one who has ordered for all these prophets to have been massacred 
And, and she doesn't want a single one of God's prophets left behind. So verse 20 says, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. I'm going to skip verse 21 for a reason. We're going to come back to this, and this is going to be really the, uh, the center point of, of this message today. But verse 22 says, Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Now get that, no fire. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So who's supposed to be the one providing the fire? Our, our God or the false gods, one of the two. And whether it's uh, Baal or whether it's the God of heaven, one of them is going to provide the fire for the sacrifice. So they agreed, and uh, they, they go through the motions. And I want you to notice what happens here in uh, verse 26. It says, uh, they cried from morning till noon. The, the, this is uh, the, those following the Baals, the false gods. They cried from morning till noon, and nothing happened. Have you ever noticed when uh, things aren't happening the way we want, sometimes we, we get a little desperate and we do foolish things? Well, notice what they did at the end of verse uh, 26. They leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was noon, and, and I, I can't help but laugh at verse 27. Elijah's, uh, he's got a little bit of a sarcastic streak. I know none of y'all do, right? No, no, nobody in this room has a sarcastic streak. But Elijah says, cry aloud for he is a God. Maybe he's meditating. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey or maybe he's asleep and you need to wake him up. I love this. So they cried aloud. But get this, they cut themselves. To the point where blood gushed out of them. I'm going to interject a thought here for just a minute. These false God worshipers were willing to go to the point of practically laying down their lives. Because if you bleed out, I mean, it, it, there's no, you ain't going up from there. I think we all understand that. So they were willing to go that far for idols and it's amazing how few Christians will go that far or even get close in dedication to God I'm not saying go cut yourself because that that's that's satanic uh, God never for one uh, second says oh go out and cut yourself and you're, and you're gushing out with blood no 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 that's not what I'm saying at all don't don't anybody read between the lines here but they were so desperate for the fire to consume their sacrifice that they were willing to shed blood for it and even die. And I can't help but ask, how far are we willing to go? Not, not, not to ridiculous extremes, but how dedicated are we 
to seeing God's fire consume us. Not, not judgment fire now. <laughs> Just something to think about. So, obviously, the story goes on. No, no fire consumes their sacrifice. So then Elijah says, uh, verse 30, to all the people, come near to me. So they all came near. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down, took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, and he said, Israel be, shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, made a trench. Get this. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seals of seed, and he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. How many of you love starting fires with something that's wet? Well, all of our hands should go up, right? <laughs> Wrong. That doesn't make sense, does it? Well, then get this. Verse 34, do it a second time. Elijah's really lost his mind now. And then, do it a third time. So they did. And the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. So this is a surefire way, and I'm sure all, all the uh, Baal worshipers were thinking, these people have lost their ever-loving minds. There is no way. That fire is going to consume this sacrifice. I mean, there's water everywhere. Surely, no. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. I want you to, to really... Lean in closely to verse 37, this part of his prayer. Elijah was not asking God to show up and show out so Elijah could get the glory. He wasn't, I'm sure he was feeling some pressure, but there was not a selfish thing at all. His prayer was for the people there. He said, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. If there's any prayer that we have for Anderson County and in all of the surrounding area is that this people may know that he is God. And that Jesus Christ is the Lord and then there's no other way to heaven except through Christ. That should be our prayer. He said that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their, back, their hearts back to you again. So obviously at some point they recognize God. If, if Elijah is praying that you have turned their hearts back to you again. At some point along the way they had their minds and hearts in the right place. For how long, I don't know. But it would stand to reason based on this wording that there was a time when they at least recognized that he was the one true God. But they got a little sidetracked. Now, 
verse 38. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. But here, look at verse 40. Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So he seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Not the turn of events we'd like to see. But I want to go back to verse 21, the verse that I skipped on purpose. Well, Elijah prayed this prayer that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Elijah made this statement in verse 21 as they, at the beginning of this meeting at Mount Carmel. And he asked them this question. How long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you falter between two opinions? Torn between two lovers, unfortunately, seems to be the theme song of some professed Christian lives. I'll say more about that in a minute. How long will you falter between two opinions? Elijah gives them this ultimatum, if the Lord is God, follow Him. And if, but if Baal, then follow Him. And, and I, I find it interesting, the people answered him not a word. They didn't say, they didn't say a thing. I, I, I'm thinking that maybe at that time, you know, it was like, okay, whatever. You're, you're a whack, wacko prophet. That's the message you're supposed to proclaim. It's weird stuff. So surely, what you're saying here. Whatever, whatever, let's go on. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord's God, follow Him. If Baal, follow Him. Turn to Matthew 6 if you would. Matthew chapter 6. You know, what blows my mind about the Israelite people is they had seen already, even at that point in time, a history of God's faithfulness. They had seen over and over and over again God showing up and providing for them in wonderful ways, yet they still couldn't make up their mind if they wanted the God of heaven or they wanted false gods. They couldn't make up their mind. They were doing what Elijah said and faltering between two opinions. Because maybe, just maybe, and, and let's, let's be a little more practical now. I, as far as I know, none of you have uh, idols at your house. I don't think. At least not the kind we think about. You don't have any little wood carving that you walk into your house and bow down to. Or, or maybe a, a stone image that you go and bow down to. 
But there may be some idols in your life that come before Jesus. Maybe it's relationships. Sometimes boyfriends and girlfriends come before Jesus. Sometimes children come before Jesus. Sometimes money comes before Jesus. And we could go on and on. What does Jesus have to say about this ordeal? Some people are like, well, Matthew, you just preached the Old Testament. Well, okay. You, you, if you want to discard the Old Testament, look at what Jesus says. Here we go, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Verse 24, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Some people might like, <laughs> you don't know me. I can serve two masters. Look what Jesus says. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Notice what he says. You can't serve two masters. Why? Because eventually you might try for a while. And you might jump back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But eventually your allegiance, my allegiance, is going to lean heavily on one rather than the other. I have had people who have committed adultery tell me, well, you know, I, I did okay for a while and I, I tried to play it up like I still love my spouse and then I tried to play it up like, you know, I, I, I really uh, like my person on the side, but eventually the person on the side won. And the spouse, well, the spouse got ignored and eventually even hated. Try kissing two people at one time. No, none of y'all got a big enough face for it. I don't. None of us do. Even the most big-lipped person, and I got a singer in my mind right now. He's got the hugest lips in the world. I, I won't call him by name, but some of y'all probably know. Cannot kiss two people successfully at one time and be fully invested. Ain't no way. But some of us try to do that spiritually. Trying to have the best of both worlds. Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Jesus doesn't go into all the details of what the Laodicean church was doing or not doing. But he gives a condemnation here. And I want you to notice that. Revelation chapter 3. I'll give you a few more seconds to turn. Revelation 3 verse 15. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Now some people will try to say, oh, that's, that's just balance. I'm balanced. I'm not, I'm not cold I'm not hot, I'm just balanced, I'm lukewarm. Well, try drinking a balanced cup of coffee. Anybody like just good old lukewarm coffee? Mm. After it's set for an hour? Mm, nah. Even 30 minutes. I, 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 want it, I want it at least more on the hotter side. I don't want it to burn my mouth. But I want it fresh. 
They were neither cold nor hot. And Jesus said, I, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus gives a pretty grotesque picture here, doesn't he? Common terminology here. God's saying, because you are lukewarm, it makes me want to puke. That's not the Jesus that most people try to portray these days. Oh, the one that says, well, you, however you want to be, it's fine. Let's all just frolic through the field of daisies and have a good time, whatever we want to do, however we want to live. And Jesus says, you're lukewarm. Makes God sick. When we're lukewarm, we're trying to have the best of both worlds. And there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And I have to confess that this is not just a struggle where I, I come to you and I think, oh, all y'all have the problem and I don't. It's a struggle for every single one of us. Sometimes it's a greater struggle than others. But nevertheless, we all have times when we're cold. We all have times when we're lukewarm. And we all have times when we're hot. And God wants us on fire for Him. He wants to consume us. He wants us to be uh, consumed with Him. Not, oh, well, Jesus is the, the thing that I do on Sunday because that's what good southern church people do. He doesn't want us doing this on a regular basis. He wants our full allegiance. Unbeliever. You're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, there's a war waging for your soul. And right now the devil's winning. But believer, and I believe most everyone in this room is a believer, there's a war waging for your witness. There's a world that's looking at us, looking for us to be salt and light like I talked about last week. And some of us, we get consumed with the things of life and we become sour and dark, like I said was the alternative in last week's message. So I asked the question that Elijah posed to them on Mount Carmel. And I posed that to myself and I posed that to all who are watching or listening here in this room. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow Him. But if you fill in the blank with something that else, something else that your God, that it's your, is your little G God, He says, follow it to make a decision. But my, my heart's cry to you today: choose Christ. I don't want you chasing other things. Why? Because I know the heartache that it can bring to you.
I know the heartache that it has brought to many. I know times when my heart has not been aflame for Christ and I've chased other things. It does not satisfy. So the best that I know how today, I plead with you. Don't waver between two opinions anymore. Just decide, I'm going to be all in. Appropriate motto, right? <laughs> all in. Clemson lovers love to use that phrase. Let's be that. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask Caleb if you'd come forward and just play softly for us. Like I said, this, this message, I truth be known, I it was like Mike shared the other week. I, I, I didn't want to preach this message, especially on Thanksgiving weekend. There, there, there are probably some that would say, Matthew, didn't, didn't seminary and Bible college teach you better than you're supposed to preach a Thanksgiving message on Thanksgiving weekend? I tried to talk God out of it, and it didn't work. So here it is, and for whatever reason, somebody in the room needs it. And maybe today you just need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I've, I've, been, I've been torn between two lovers. I've been, I've been trying to love Jesus and then love other things at the same time, and it's just not working out. And today I hear the plea from my Heavenly Father. Just, just love me. Give, give me all your heart. Give me all your soul. Give me all your mind. That's what it, the Scripture says. When Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you need to come here and just need, lay some things at the altar and say, you know, I've been doing this thing wrong for a long time, and I, I don't want to do it like this anymore. God in this moment we're just going to make room for you to do what you want to do in the hearts of people God I know the devil wants us distracted because he knows if we're distracted we're not leading people to Christ we're not training them in the faith we're not doing what we're called to do we're doing everything but that God, maybe somebody in this room today needs to say, I, I choose today. I choose today to stop trying to jump back and forth. I choose today to be fully devoted to Christ. Maybe you're okay this morning. I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm, I'm at the height of my, my Christian walk, and, and I'm doing great. I mean, I'm, I'm in the Word. I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm more excited about Jesus than I ever have. Maybe, maybe you need to be praying for somebody you know that's not where they need to be. We're not, we're not pointing down at them. We're not in judgment or condemnation. We just know that maybe because of life circumstances or whatever, they've, 
they've lost the fire. The all-consuming passion of loving Jesus more than anything. God, my prayer is that Oasis Church is a church full of people whose hearts are aflame for Jesus. Lord, may it begin with me. How can I pray a prayer like this if I'm not leading by example? God, let it begin with me. And God, we know that fire can get contagious. We are here. And God, we yield ourselves to you. Scripture says that we are living sacrifices and we are to present our bodies as such, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual act of worship. So, God, we bring the sacrifice, and we're asking you to provide the fire. God, why, why would we pray that just like Elijah did? So that our neighbors, so that our county will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God, do what you want to do here in this place today. Thank you for the power of your word, the power of your spirit. And God, we look forward to all that you're going to continue to do in and through your people and those who have yet to come to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. I don't know right now if there is any instruction and in how much time they need back there for uh, the food. But we are. Uh, all right. Well, now that I prayed, we're, go we're going to just uh, we're just going to hang out for a few minutes and we'll say a blessing uh, in the. Uh, in the fellowship hall, but do hang around, enjoy each other's company, and we will eat in just a few minutes. Thank you for being here this morning, and yes, please stick around. We'll we'll uh, eat until we're, uh, I was going to say until we're gluttons. That sounds unbiblical. Uh, <laughs> until we have a carb coma. All right, so let's hang out and enjoy each other and uh, all that God has for us this day.